Hi everyone, you are all very welcome back to our first Schleip show since Super Bowl. It is amazing to have everyone around the screen today. Uh, Brian and Colm, you're all very welcome back. Your tans are well gone. Welcome back to being in Ireland. And today we are joined by a brand new cast member. So excited to have Frankie on the call. Frankie, you are so welcome. You are calling from Milwaukee. How is everything with you this morning? Uh, everything's pretty good. Everything's pretty good. I'm a Broncos fan, so they've been making some splash moves. So I'm pretty excited about the some of the stuff they've been doing. I don't necessarily love every single move, but you know, I, I like the direction. And uh, yeah, you know, feeling pretty good here on a, on a, on the you know the the opening of free agency. I can't believe you guys let another Broncos fan in. Come on, uh, Christina. It was I wasn't made aware of the situation when uh, Colin explained that Frankie was coming on. I said, oh, "That's great." And we. Looking forward to meeting Frankie and engaging with him. And then he broke the news to me that we were again having another Broncos. Just can't get away from them. And then we're going to get into a shortly. Free agency kicks off today. And lo and behold, Colm said to me last night, he wasn't expecting them to make some big moves. He thought it might be second wave signings. And they go and mar- land two of the marquee offensive line guys that are available. I think we're going to get into that shortly anyway. So We are indeed. And also tonight, we have Carmen Vitali going to be joining us later on. So we're excited to have Carmen back. Thank you guys for setting this up. It's going to be a really cool show. Um, and we are so excited to be kicking off this show with our new sponsor for the offseason, which is USA Sports. We are so happy that USA Sports, who are based in the Ilex Centre, have decided to join forces with us. And we will be giving away merchandise every week until the season begins, which we are so excited about. So thank you to everyone in USA Sports. We are going to show you how you can win, which is by... You have to subscribe to our YouTube channel at IRE NFL. And we will pick a winner for tonight. The winner is going to be getting a beanie or a hat, Brian. I can't remember. Um, we've got two prizes this week. We've got a, a hoodie to give away, a team of your choice. And we'll also have a beanie to give away. Yes, so we, we as part of the new YouTube channel, we are trying to transition over to a new channel. So we'd love for people to start following that. All the shows will be broadcast on both for the time being. Um, but yeah, that's essentially how to go about it. Um, we'll obviously share that on our social media platforms over the course of the next few days, how people can get involved if they don't pick up on it tonight. But yeah, it's great to have them on board. You say sports, uh, we've been working with them over the past few weeks and they've been really engaged and they really like, in terms of what to show, what we're looking to deliver to fans across the island of Ireland. And obviously now we've got Frankie involved from people from the States. But um, yeah, so it's great to have them on board and they'll be with us over the coming months. Thank you so much for that. And let's get cracking. Twitter is just flying it this afternoon. It has been crazy. Brian, you commented today. It's just been trying to work, trying to focus, trying to keep an eye on everything. Frankie is lucky because he's only waking up. We're all going to be going to bed soon because we're old. Let's get into it. I am so excited about Jimmy G going to the 49ers. Only because there is a Twitter page that actually a girl physically makes pictures every day of Jimmy G in crazy settings until he's traded. That Twitter handle has died today. What are your thoughts, guys, on what's been going on in San Francisco? We'll go to Frankie first, because Frankie's the newbie. Uh, I actually think it's a pretty decent move for the Raiders. I've been kind of curious to see what they would end up doing now that they have a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think is a little bit comparable to Derek Carr. Some I think will maybe view him as an upgrade, some will view him as a downgrade, but Still a startable guy and still doesn't close the door on them, I think, going for a rookie QB route. I think it is going to be really tough for them to get into, like, the top three, four if they've got to get over some teams like Indianapolis. 
if they are trying to get like an Anthony Richardson type and let him sit behind. But honestly, I think it's a pretty plus move for them. Gives them kind of a guy they can sit on for a little bit until they truly find their guy, guy their future. And it doesn't really uh, close the door on a lot of their weapons. But I can't imagine Devontae Adams is too happy about it. I saw something that was like uh, Jimmy G is like 48th in uh, completion percentage or like a, a 10th rate on, on passes over 20 yards. And Devontae Adams is such a big deep threat. He's like third in the league at, in, on receptions over like 20 yards. So like that's just kind of not a match made in heaven right there. So I'm not too sure how that'll all work out. But honestly, I think it's a fine like, you know, placeholder for their quarterback position for the next little bit for them. And I don't think they got him at a horrible deal. So I think it's a pretty solid opportunity for him. I let Colin go last because I know Colin was a love affair for Jimmy G. And he's just really disappointed that he, has, he hasn't found his way to Denver after all of these years. The only thing I can take from this deal today is, and I think Frankie touched on it briefly there, is that I think the Raiders in the position that they're drafting have made a decision that the three of the four quarterbacks essentially thereafter won't be there come come their pick. And Will Levis essentially may be the fourth, the fourth man or the odd man out in, in that sense. And they just have seen enough already from the from the scouting combine and the, the good work which they've done throughout the course of the college season that they don't think he's the right man. They would like Richardson, but judging by the way Richardson has shot off the boards recently and then obviously kind of you factor in how good he was at the combine and then where the calls didn't look to trade up because to me that sounds like they're comfortable with Richardson at fourth. He's not going to drop. The other two will go early on obviously with the Panthers trade and they've, they've had to find an alternative and Jimmy G really is the obvious fit there bearing in mind he has the relationship with Josh McDonald's previously from the time the Patriots and it's it gives him an opportunity to be competitive in the division in if they reflect on games last year against the Chiefs and other games in which the Colts when Jeff Sardy came in and beat them there was a lot of games last year which the Raiders really should have won they didn't so they probably feel that they can be competitive next year with Jimmy G as quarterback and Jimmy G on his day is serviceable but obviously he has turnover issues and you know, it was evident by the fact that the uh, fourth has moved on, and they were happy to have him as a backup. But I still think it's a bit of a bit of a gamble. Um, I'm not sure it will work out. But again, we've seen quarterbacks go to teams, and things have changed quickly for them. And it could, it, it turned out to be the right fit when it didn't look that way. But it's a it's an expense. I I would argue it's an expensive deal. But look, we posted out today to some Raiders fans, and they quickly came back saying, "Okay, I can get my head around it." But then when they saw the numbers, they were surprised. So. Interesting to see where Connor goes on this one. Ah, I, I think anyone who is familiar with the, the show probably knows my views, but for those who are new to us, I think you can win with Jimmy G. I, I don't think you win because of Jimmy G. And I, I also think Jimmy G is QB who has issues staying healthy. I think that is a, a big problem for the Raiders. And in we are in an era where they moved on from Derek Carr, and one of the reasons they one of the reasons they moved on from Derek Carr was his kind of lack of mobility and the fact that you need QBs nowadays who offer you, um, you know, a th- through the air, but also with their feet. That doesn't mean they have to be amazing at it. But one of the reasons the Chiefs our Super Bowl champions is because of Patrick Mahomes' ability to scramble and operate out of structure and that 26 yards he gained right towards the, the end of the game. You don't get that with Derek Carr. You don't get that with Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not entirely sure. Like, they, they swapped it out, but really, yeah, they're, they're somewhat different. I just don't see what 
extra he offers you. It feels very much like you're going to tread water. It feels like if you really want to be competitive at the top end of the, the league now, you either have to have, um, you know, an elite QB or a QB who is mobile or an absolutely incredible offensive mind like they have in San Francisco uh, with Kyle Shannon. I don't think Josh Daniels is that. He certainly isn't that, but he also has to operate as a head coach. And, you know, I, I just, to me, if if I'm, certainly if I'm Andy Reid, Brett Beach, and the, the Chiefs, you're looking at this going, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not feeling uh, particularly threatened by this move. The Chiefs remain atop the AFC West for me. Can I just try, jump in there, quick, quick one? Like, I think when Derek Carr got released, and then Colin touched on there, a lot of people felt they would go a very different direction in the sense that they would look to make a move in the draft and look for a younger, agile quarterback. It could come in the draft, and it could be a situation where it's a year in. And, then that quarterback takes over, and I would have thought that today. But then you see the contract numbers, and it's it's all, it's off-putting in the sense that it looks like it's a real kind of commitment to him. And I know we we read about the cap and we read about what's put on the screen, but obviously when you dig deeper into the contract, it doesn't really fall out that way. We saw that last year with Bobby Wagner going to the Rams. Everybody said, "Oh, that's a massive deal." A year later, he's he's not with them anymore. So, but it just feels like, and Colin said, it feels like it's a it's a swap out of two quarterbacks with a lot of similarities. But it'd be interesting to see how it goes from here. Going from here, let's talk about the elephants in the room. Let's get it over and done with Brian. Let's talk about the Broncos. Okay, we're going to let these two guys have a moment to shine. You can see Colm's face all magically lighting up already because he's been dying to talk about this today, <laughs> for sure. Colm, do you want to walk us through what's been going on in Bronco country? What you're looking forward to, what you're not looking forward to, and also, who do you still expect to pick up over the next few days? Um... Well, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in, in Frankie's take to see if we will have somewhat different of opinions because Brian and I recorded the podcast last night and um, this is our first live show, but we've done a whole series of, of podcasts and we've had some great guests on and talked to a lot of fans and stuff, so check them out. But it would be very hypocritical of me to change my stance based on what the Broncos have done. And I said on the recording, I said it numerous times, I believe the way in which teams are best to approach um, team building is to uh, spend on defense and draft on offense. And obviously that is not what the Broncos have done. Some of that is because I have been burned in the past. Um, Juwan James is probably the most stunning example where the Broncos bought, brought in somebody who was considered a very talented right tackle, but he had incredible injury issues and you know, just was a, a an unmitigated disaster. Now, the Broncos last year essentially had, you know, four um, traffic cones, certainly. So they had to do something. And I guess they've gone and decided that they're going to spend the, the money. I, obviously, they're upgrades. McGlinchey, I, I, you worry about the injury probably more than anything. Like, why is he hitting the market? What is it that the Niners are concerned about? Because... Generally, the the you know outside of your franchise QBs, franchise O line guys just don't hit the market. And generally, there's a question mark if they do, particularly when it comes to to tackles. Whatever about guards and, and centers. So, yeah, I the Broncos had to do something, and maybe given 
so much has been given up to acquire Russell Wilson, to acquire Sean Payton. They left themselves with a, a situation um, where they, they had to do something. But the top O-line in the league last year was the Eagles. The Eagles drafted all those guys. It also helps the Eagles have one of the best O-line coaches who has been in situ for more than a decade, who has been through three different head coaches, but they've ensured they've kept him around. But if that's the kind of exemplar on how you should do it, I get concerned when you're not following that model, but I don't know if they had a choice. So, yeah, I'm happy that they made the moves, but it definitely has an asterisk on it for me. Yeah, these were some like very Sean Payton moves, which I think is really good to see. I mean, the team is clearly trying to identify, create an identity for themselves. They want to be able to run the ball a lot more. They brought in uh, Ben Powers from the Ravens. I really like the deal they gave him, actually. Uh, like The way it's structured looks pretty decent for Denver. He's not too expensive in year one, gets a little bit more expensive in year two, and then they get some outs right away. But uh, he's a quality player. I went back and watched all of his film today. Really a solid pass-blocking guard, and I think something that will help him. Russell Wilson is known for, you know, kind of extending plays kind of to the detriment of his offensive line sometimes. And uh, he, Ben Powers was blocking for Lamar Jackson the past couple of years. So no one extends plays like Lamar Jackson does. I think that will kind of be a little bit of an asset he can use for himself. But then, yeah, man, with the McGlinchey contract, it's just a, it's a lot of money. And it's a, it's it's one of those things where you're kind of setting the market right now. I guess you could say that Jawan Taylor a little bit more did, but. With what you see, what McGlinchey cost, and for what he is as a player, that first-round pedigree he had just because you know he was taken in the first round has really helped him throughout his career. Where it's just, it's one of those things where I don't necessarily know if he will be able to live up to that contract ever, but it fills a need for Denver, and it is an upgrade. And they're investing in the offensive line, which I don't think is a mistake. So it, it's, I think it's a pretty decent move for Denver. I'm excited for the offensive line going forward. I'm a little bit disappointed. It still seems like Draymond Jones is on the market, so possibly a reunion there, but I hope they're able to add to the defensive line as well. But yeah, the two big offensive line moves for Denver were really nice to see today and kind of a little bit of a surprise, like you said. I didn't expect them to necessarily make multiple big moves on the first day. I figured there'd be one. I, th I, I did assume they'd kind of go for one of the big tackles, but I wasn't sure which one. So I will say they got probably my least favorite of the three that were available between McGarry Taylor, but it didn't look like they were going to be able to pay Taylor compared to what the Chiefs did. Christina, I just wanted to throw a little piece in here and kind of sliding out in a different direction on this. It's, it's like there's been a lot of stories come out today around the Bronx, but the fact that they're open to a deal for any of their wide receivers, you know, if the right price is on the table for Cortland Sutton, for, uh, for Judy and Hammer, essentially they'll take the deal. And that to me is, is, is a little bit surprising. I think Cortland Sutton is, is a really strong wide receiver. and in his own right on, on his days one of the better ones in the league so I was a little bit surprised with that but just to reflect on the offensive line signings I mean when Sean Payton got the job and there was that little opening gambit at the at the press conference where he essentially said Russell Wilson won't have his own people in the facilities ex with the exception of the Broncos coaches and the people who are hired to be Broncos coaches it, lo it strikes me as a deal in terms of the players coming in to say Here's the year we're going to rebuild the offensive line. We're going to put it in Russell Wilson's hands, and if it doesn't work out, then we really will be turning, turning things in a different direction come the next off season. So there'll be no more excuses. That they'll do their utmost to make sure this is a, a an offensive line that can leave them in a situation where they know exactly where they stand come the end of the next season. Whether it's Russell Wilson playing behind a, a poor offensive line last year, that was kind of maybe that's the narrative that you could work upon as opposed to his poor play. But come the next season. 
having done all this business in this off season, Devi knows loses for him, and if he doesn't work, if it doesn't work out, they move on from there. Yeah, I completely agree. It's it's a make or break season for us, regardless. Uh, what I just the receiver thing, it's crazy to me, man. Uh, the one that I think is insane is Jerry Judy, just because they do have the extra years of control. But it's just like I I can't understand giving up a receiver of his caliber. From what it sounds like, I will say though, it doesn't sound like they're just kind of giving these guys away. They are just kind of like listening to phone calls for them. But man, yeah, I, I I don't really understand that, especially if like a you're trying to see what Russ has, which you know I the moves don't really seem like they have too much faith in Russ from my vision, or if you're trying to have the next quarterback have a little bit of a platform. But yeah. Let's go back just one second because we want to go back because news has been breaking there that actually Sam Darnold is going to the 49ers and I'm going to put up on Farrell's comments right there. Just, that's it. I'm happy now with that one. Sorry, Owen. No, I, I, look, I, I want to make a point on that because during the podcast last night, um, at that stage, it was speculated that Baker Mayfield was going to either sign for the books um, as potentially their, their starter and the 49ers were in we're in the sweepstakes for him. And me and Colin discussed on the podcast that we couldn't really get our head around that because unless he was coming into a Jimmy G type scenario where he's the backup, but then you've got a situation where it's either Brock Porter or Trey Lance and whoever, the, whoever doesn't win the position of those two, loses the, essentially a shell in the door and someone makes a trade for either of them. And to me, that's where we are at because Sam Darn is, is not coming in, in my opinion, to be the starting quarterback with the 49ers. He's coming in to be the backup quarterback. <clears throat> he's probably been already told that and he's happy to take that on. And then you've got a situation where it's Brock Purdy or Trey Lance and which one are they going with? And then if that if whoever wins out, what happens to the other guy? It just doesn't make sense to me. So for me, it's it's a straight shootout now between those two. And at some stage, a call will be made who is the starting quarterback. And I just don't understand where that leaves that other guy. Bearing in mind now, they just brought in Sam Darnold as well. I kind of like the move. I kind of I kind of like bringing in Sam Darnold. I'll be honest. Like it. I, Sam Darnold obviously has not had a lot of success. I'm not going to pretend that Sam Darnold has been good up until this point in his career, but I will say there were points last year in Carolina where he looked okay. There's always been those times, and you know what? If there was ever an offensive system and a coach that you can trust to at least make a quarterback look serviceable and possibly reclaim a career, it's Shanahan. So, you know, I don't think that's an awful move. If, I, if I'm being honest, they probably got him on a pretty cheap deal, and I mean, like, you can make, he can make anyone look good. Look at what he just did with Brock Purdy. You know, I'm not trying to use you know draft pedigree as everything but you know there's 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 i'd say a difference in what the tools are for a couple of these players and i think that shannon can make it work man so i don't think that's an awful move i i think i i mean it's like kyle shannon i mean you, you can take any number of different different games depending on what era that you're kind of playing in maybe you were uh a championship manager or a football manager fan and you got 10 seasons in and you decided you just wanted a challenge and you were only going to buy, uh, you know, players under 23 or you were playing Sim City and you got bored. So you decided to unleash some natural disasters on, on your city. Uh, this seems like Kyle Shannon just wants to challenge himself. He wants to bring in uh, QBs just to see what he can, can do with them. Um, I like the thing is that they, because they have Trey Lance and Purdy on such cheap deals, they can kind of do what they want. And I, I think Frankie's right. I can't imagine that they're going to be paying big money to to Sam Darnold. So it certainly gives them a, a camp body. We don't know 
um, where exactly Trey Lance is in his uh, return from from injury. So maybe there is complications there. Who who knows? Um, I'm, we talked about it, Brian, and I did a little bit last night. To me, it's strange, right? There's I, I don't understand all the negativity around Trey Lance because I just don't think the kid has gotten a chance. As I said, he played in a monsoon in the first game of the season. He got injured after just a few staffs in the second game of the season. But there seems to be this incredible negativity there. I don't know if that is because of off-the-field stuff or, or what exactly is happening. Um, but maybe, maybe they intend to, you know, change something I don't know uh, personally I think when you give that much up for a QB you should be trying to see you know what what you have um but I think no matter who is start the starting QB there um Kyle Shanahan is capable of making magic happen absolutely and let's track back because we're still stuck in the 49ers but we didn't actually cover the fact that Javon Hargraves is actually Niner ground for four years and he's after picking you um, up from their main NFC rival. Brian, I know you're dying to talk about this. Uh, well, there's a fortune that his defense is so strong. And it was for even, not to get into the specifics of that NFC championship game, but like they held their own for an hour's price of that game. You know, bearing in mind the, the situation, they had an offense and it was only kind of before halftime the game got away. And I mean, they were setting records all season now. And the stronger, the rich only get richer in terms of production and players on the field like Javon Hargrave for, for Hargrave sorry for Diego was a standout player defensively all season long and you know let's not you know put the uh, the suit bowl into let's put and people argue that they didn't really perform in the suit bowl and that's why some players of protecting you have done but they were always in a risky situation the Eagles because they put players on certain contracts that it was a win now type <clears throat> scenario for many of them and they were obviously going to get paid elsewhere and like there was a lot of talk yesterday he was going to be going to the Bears because they obviously have the uh, the strongest cap in here's availability space over hundred million, just short of hundred million. But the Niners have come up with this fantastic deal today, and it's a real marquee pick up to pick up a player against. Like you, you're right. You look at the teams next year, even now, who realistically is going to be gone to make a real push again to be in the NFC game potentially on the sit boat. It's the Eagles. It's the Forty ers So to take one of their marquee players and put them on your team, it's a it's a real strong bold statement already. And it just goes to show the intentions the 49ers that they know they were close last year and they're going to do their utmost to make sure they're back again come September challenging to be in the Super Bowl. Hargrave got paid. Hargrave got absolutely paid. I was not expecting him to get as much. He completely deserves it. But I was not expecting him to get paid that much. Set the market immediately, you know, a crazy deal. Awesome for him, you know, and it's, again, like he said, the rich get richer. Chris Kusarik, the best defensive line coach in the league, is going to get to have an, another weapon in his arsenal to unleash on quarterbacks, which is just going to, you know, again, just wreak havoc. When you talk about the talent they already have along that defensive line, it's 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 disgusting. It's genuinely disgusting. You know, they're losing out on a couple guys this offseason, but again, they just seem to be able to replenish anytime they need to. Steve Wilkes is going to do a fine job as their defensive coordinator that they brought in. So, I mean, yeah, great move for them. Uh, terrifying for the rest of the NFL. And, uh, yeah. I think what's going to be in, interesting, I suppose, is you look at the, the 49ers and again, like Har- Hargrave is brain and like you both said, he's, he's a monster, he's a phenomenal player, but it's it's almost outside of the QB, right? They have stars across the field. 
Um, and and it's it's a different it's a very different approach to say maybe the the Chiefs where you know Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes obviously he has Kelsey Patrick Mahomes last year kind of a you know an ensemble cast of wide receiver and, and he still makes it happen so it's, it it is different. The concern I suppose always for the Niners is when those guys are on the field they are phenomenal to watch at both sides of the ball, but. The Eagles last year, we talked about the fact that the Eagles, what made them so, so destructive last year was the fact it wasn't that they had the best four guys, but they had the deepest eight guys. And they were able to rotate guys in and out. You, you wonder in terms of the depth is the only issue uh, potentially with the, the 49ers, but they keep adding pieces, keep adding impressive pieces. They have a, a great coaching staff. You know, it, it feels like, practically he's talked about the, the DC, like, They've lost guys, right? Salah has gone on. Um, McDaniel has gone on. Now, um, Demeco Ryan has, has moved on, but they keep finding. And, you know, we were talking during the, the offseason around um, kind of Wilkes. And I think it was, Brian, I think it was Peter King who said to us that um, the the messaging more, more so for the Panthers was wrong because uh, Steve Wilkes had basically been told that he was only ever going to be a caretaker. Whereas the messaging obviously publicly was, well, look, if, if he did a, a good enough job, he might be in contention, which is why things ended so amicably between Wilkes and the Panthers. He never expected to be in the running for the job, but he did perform incredibly. And I think given the experience he has, we know what a talented coach he is. Yeah, you would have to say they, certainly as we sit here in mid-March, they should be one of, you once get the most exciting teams to watch both on offense and on defense next year. I just think it's strange. You know, we mentioned this towards the end of the season. These two are going to be a force to reckon with. We're going to see these two for a lot more as they battle the Chiefs and the 49ers on a regular basis. This was showed that 49ers are going to push hard to win this battle for sure um, over the next two years because this team is, you know, they're just getting stronger. Um, and look at my Patriots, just will never do anything over the next few years for sure. I'm interested to see that, um, I'm just shifting gears slightly, but um, we, we haven't spoke about it because the trade took place yesterday with Jalen Ramsey. Obviously, it was traded yesterday and Keith Keller, his big dogs fan, just touched on it there earlier that it looks a bit of a steal, short rounder, and a tight end going to be able to essentially take on him. One's a monster contract, but they've have, that's the reason with such a low price that they can absorb that cap hit. But uh, we touched on last night this this division and just with the Rogers team, like it looked at seven o'clock this evening. I think we're going to discuss it shortly where uh, Carmen comes on our guests who's coming on the show to see him. So we won't delve too much into the NFC North, but like if he does go to the Jets from an AFC East perspective, you've got the Bills, who is as you'd expect to be. Coming back, Oswald's blazing, having had a difficult end to the season between what happened in the game on the Monday Night Football and how the season ended in that snow game against the Bengals. Dolphins, who have no first round pick, now they've no third round pick, losing their first round pick because of the allegations with Tom Brady. They're already going to be competitive and aggressive in terms of trades and free agency. It will be interesting with the Patriots too because they've been so quiet. Um, they re signed Jones today, the quarterback, and look like he's going to walk, so it's good to see him coming back. But it's pretty eerie and we've seen teams rebound that good season, but you have to wonder where the Patriots' heads are at because the Dolphins are going to be aggressive, the Bills are going to be back, and then you've got the Jets, and, you know, if they do get this quarterback saga resolved, they've got a really competitive team that you would expect 
to be making waves next season. It makes for a very interesting AFC, a very interesting few days ahead of us in terms of what these teams do. Brian, I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to bring in Carmen. Hey, Carmen, thank you so much for joining us on this Hi. crazy, crazy Monday. Yeah, it is very crazy, uh, especially around the NFC North. The, a lot of teams have been making moves, especially the Bears. So it's been fun. How are you guys? We are doing well here. So obviously we've had a bit of a Broncos loving. We've touched on the 49ers and we've touched on a small bit of the Raiders, but let's get in with your side of the world. The Bears are just after signing former Eagles TJ Edwards on a three-year deal. How are you feeling about this up on your side of the world? Yeah, between him and now Tremaine Edmonds signing with, uh, it's it they upgraded that linebacker, that second level of the defense uh, position just incredibly. And I, I when they signed TJ Edwards, I was like, okay, like they're going to have him play weak side. You know, he's a defensive signal caller in Philadelphia. I'm like, okay, then he'll play the weak side linebacker, which is very important in Matt Eberflus' uh, defense. And then all of a sudden they signed Tremaine Edmonds. And I was like, oh, never mind. I think TJ Edwards is going to stay in the middle of their base 3-4 and or 4-3. And uh, maybe Tremaine Edmonds now plays that weak side. But I just think that the way that Ryan Poles is manipulating the moves, uh, the fact that he is able to pay around the same price for a guy like Tremaine Edmonds, who's younger than Roquan Smith and have dealt Roquan Smith for that second round pick, uh, just makes all the difference in the world. Now you're paying a linebacker about the same that you were going to, maybe even a little less, and you got a you got a draft pick out of it. And it just I every move the Bears make, I'm not used to this. I grew up a Bears fan. I th they all make sense. <laughs> Cameron, you obviously do the the podcast with our good friend uh, Adam Rank. Uh, ha, ha, uh, is uh, I can imagine that you you grew up a Bears fan. He's a Bears fan. This has got the the past week because we obviously haven't talked to you since the the big trade as well. It's uh, Bears fans are living the highlight right now. Yeah, I, both of Adam and I are kind of, again, in shock. Not that we didn't trust Ryan Poles in this new regime, but they're backing up absolutely everything they've said. And it's turned out that they've been more candid with us than we even realized because Ryan Poles was the one that brought up there was a possibility for them to trade the number one overall pick before free agency so they knew exactly where they stood. And that's exactly what they did. And they got a haul on top of their new number one receiver. So I really like the trade down all the way to nine because you're still in the top 10. I say all the way to nine. You're still in the top 10. You're still going to be able to get a really, really good player. Um, I think the Jalen Carter situation could have maybe played into that where now he's no longer an option. Will Anderson's likely to be off the board. So now they just, they got a haul and they're set up for the next couple of drafts and they've insulated against every possibility of what happens with Justin Fields. And I can't say enough about how well they're doing. And again, it's not, I'm not used to this. Carmen, I just want to flip to the, the Packers for one second. Um, yeah. Last weekend, Mark Murphy was very open in his communication. He did a number of different broadcasts at, at an event in which he was very open for, for the first time in quite some time. Because you know from your experience, the Packers are quite reserved in terms of what open communication they come out with. But for the first time in a long time, he was very calm and relaxed about essentially, even if you read between the lines, it was essentially felt like go to the Jets, or retire, but we're moving on. Were you surprised how open the openness of that interview last weekend for the first time in a long time? Yeah, I think so. I don't know that it necessarily shocked me as much as it would have if he had done something like that last year. Of course, we know that the Packers re-signed Rodgers to a three-year, $150 million deal last offseason. But yeah, this was the first time we got to see 
uh, Murphy say that, listen, the two sides want something different. I think that was the biggest thing to come out of that was that their ideal situation was no longer having Rodgers return to the Packers. And that was the biggest surprise to me was that he was so open about that fact and that they would welcome him back if some things didn't work out, but they are ready to move on. And especially now today, as as free agency has gone on and some of the veteran quarterbacks have been taken and that market is kind of drying up, it seems more than ever that if the Jets weren't already all in on doing whatever it took to get Rodgers, that they're, they are now because they've really left themselves with no other choice. And the only way that perhaps Rodgers wouldn't go to New York is if he retired. So it just seems like it's harder and harder to see a reality where Rodgers is still in Green Bay next year. And that's kind of what Mark Murphy got the ball rolling on um, last week. And it was, I guess it was going to come out anyway, obviously. So he just kind of sped up the timetable of what he said. But yeah, that, I think that should tell you how much the relationship has maybe broken down between the two sides. I just wanted to real quick, uh, like, congratulate the DJ Moore situation because DJ Moore's, <laughs> like, one of my favorite receivers in the league. So you can get to have an actual quarterback. is going to be so cool. The things they're going to be able to do on that offense excite me to an insane level. So that's awesome. Uh, what what role, how, how, big, how much of a chance do you think they're going to give Jordan Love this year? Do you think, like, he'll just be given the full reins, the full opportunity to be given the season? Or do you think that they try to bring in a different veteran? Do you think they maybe try to draft somebody? What do you think happened? No, I think that they are following the exact blueprint that they have for quite a few decades at this point, which is they were grooming Jordan Love to take over in full after Aaron Rodgers was done with the Packers or was done playing or whatever the situation may be. Now we know we still don't know what that situation is. But no, I mean, if you look at Rodgers entrance into the league, it's it's a very similar, eerily similar path for Jordan Love. Brett Favre leaves to the Jets Aaron Rodgers might leave to the Jets. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had played in seven games, I believe, and started either none or one uh, prior to taking over as the full-time starter. Jordan Love, he has started one game. He's played in 10 games, and now he's he's being given the reins. And so this is what they had in mind, though, uh, in 2020 when they traded up to get Jordan Love is that this was the heir apparent. This was the guy they were going to let sit behind Aaron Rodgers until Rodgers was done I think it probably would have made a lot more sense to have moved on from Rodgers last year and given Jordan Love the reins then. But as we know, that didn't happen. I, there's I, I virtually no chance them there of them bringing in some sort of other contingency plan. They've already invested too much in Jordan Love, and this has worked out for them before, so they have no incentive to do it from that angle either. Right as round three, you know, round three. Yeah, exactly. Cameron, I, I suppose one of the, the big stories coming off the back of last year was obviously the Lions and the push that they made towards the end didn't quite work out. Um, now, they have maybe been uh, the, the quietest of uh, the, the teams perhaps uh, today. Uh, is that a, a kind of a, a testament to the fact that, you know, they like generally either you're a really bad team and you're adding lots of pieces in, in free agency. You're, you're, you're trying to build back up. Whereas the Lions, having kind of built back up, are pretty confident of where they're at and are kind of just adding to look pieces here and there and, and really use the draft to build rather than kind of go all in in, in free agency. 
Yeah, I mean, the draft hit process has worked for them so far. They got a tremendous amount of contributions from their rookies, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Not only Aiden Hutchinson, who they took second overall, but guys like Kirby Joseph, safety. Uh, what's his name? James Houston out of Jacksonville, Jackson State, not Jacksonville State, Jackson State, uh, who they took in the later rounds. I mean, they got a ton of production out of these guys, and they know how to develop younger players. That being said, they did get Cam Sutton, uh, and from the he was a free agent with the Steelers, uh, or coming from the Steelers, and Steelers fans were very upset that they were not able to hang on to Cam Sutton. And he's 28 years old, so he's a veteran. And I think it's interesting to see the Lions kind of adding veteran pieces, which tells me that they know that they're ready to win soon because you're not going to add veteran guys that you know that can help you and to kind of round out your young guys uh, if you're not thinking that you're going to be contenders within a couple of seasons because this guy probably isn't going to be around for that much longer. Who knows? These guys are playing well. And when you look at Patrick Peterson, who's signing a new contract at the age of 32, 33, whatever he is now, um, but that being said, I that was that was very indicative to me that they're trying to kind of add the finishing touches to a roster that they already believe in, despite how young they are, and that they're able to develop these guys from an early age and make them impactful right away. I talked to Brad Holmes about that at the Combine. I talked to Dan Campbell about that at the Combine. Both of them just pointed to their coaching staff and how well they've been able to teach the players to bring the players along to let them be themselves while pushing them towards a common goal which is the fact that i think the lions are the dark horse for the 2023 season i've been saying that all offseason i've been saying that since week 18 i was at that game at lambeau the lions are fun they've got a ton of really good chemistry and they've got a ton of talent and young talent so they can grow and be good for years and years and years it, even if lions fans aren't ready to kind of get their hopes up carmen um the Vikings have been quiet, in fairness. Uh, I know they signed the tight end today, but with the exception of that, it's been quiet a period for them. But there was an interesting report over the past 24 hours about trying to restructure Kirk Cousins' contract. Are, are we, am I looking too far ahead to think that they're doing it in a way that they, does it get out come next year? You know, are we in a kind of a, a Rodgers type similarity situation where they'd like to move on? Kevin O'Connell get his own quarterback in essentially, but it won't happen for another year. I think that Kevin O'Connell and Kirk Cousins really do have an excellent relationship. I don't see Kirk going anywhere anytime soon. I think the restructuring has more to do with the fact that they realize they aren't one or two players away from being true contenders. I mean, they had a really good record last year, but we saw they got bounced in the first round of the playoffs. And in order to prevent that, they are being realistic with themselves. They also don't have a ton of draft capital. They only have four picks this year. So I think that there's going to need to be some moves made in order to compensate for that. And just knowing that they're going to have to kind of build up this roster a little bit more than perhaps their record would have suggested, which I think is a good thing. I think that they're being, like, like I said, realistic about the fact that they need help, especially in that defensive secondary. I mean, they let Cam Dantzler walk. They let Patrick Peterson walk. They want to get some younger guys in there. They should get Lewis Seen back. Uh, their, their first round pick from last year, who was apparently ahead of schedule in his rehab. Kevin O'Connell told us that at the Combine. So that's going to be a huge boost for the secondary. You think Andrew Booth hopefully can take a step forward after he's coming off that injury. So we'll see there. I think the youth is still going to be in that back level and they still want that part to grow, but they're not making, I, I really don't see anything happening with Kirk. I really think that Kevin O'Connell and him have a really good relationship and Kirk feels very supported. And to be quite frank, Kirk wasn't the problem last year. He wasn't their issue. He wasn't their biggest issue at by far, and he wasn't the reason they lost games. 
So he, the Vikings are having issues. It's just not the same ones they used to have. So then uh, I just want to know, so Bears have number nine. You know, if they don't have number one, they don't get the pick of the litter anymore. They don't have their options, you know, all over the board. They get to they get to hope that someone maybe drops to them. Who who would you who are you dreaming for them to get at nine? Who's that maybe a little bit realistic? You know, we're not we're not gonna think that Will Anderson's dropping there or something like that. Right. Yeah. I mean I thought on it earlier where I think that the overwhelming consensus prior to all of the Jalen Carter off the field issues coming out was that drop to number four. You can get either Will Anderson or Jalen Carter there and still get a haul, probably a future first. That obviously didn't happen, and I don't think that they can anymore take Jalen Carter because they spent this entire time under polls saying they value integrity they value character all of those like didn't at the very least Jalen Carter displayed a very big lack of decision making skills so now you think Will Anderson's yes he's going to be gone and by number nine I'm looking more at you've got a ton of other holes to fill they haven't done anything in the tackle market yet they signed Nate Davis from the Titans at guard and I wonder where he's going to end up slotting in because you have Cody White here and Tevin Jenkins was uh, successful at right guard last year. But that being said, I still think you need tackle help. Peter Skaronsky is a guy that I've been saying I want from the jump. It's because I went to Northwestern, but also I feel like he is a very, very good tackle. I mean, this is a guy, he can't protect the quarterback all by himself. And for that reason, though, I think he's gone a little bit even underrated. He is a technician. He is so well polished already and I feel like ready to make a transition despite the fact that he's not coming from a bigger program uh, as far as how good and successful they are uh, between him even Paris Johnson although I still would take Skaronsky over Johnson I'm looking there or I mean if you really want to load up I'm not going to hate this move they get Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State and really just load the weapon or weapons arsenal for uh, for Justin Fields, I can't imagine being back with Jack Smith and Jigba, who was his former collegiate teammate, and then having now DJ Moore, having Darnell Mooney end up like as he gets healthier and Chase Claypool. I mean, that would be one of the best receivers in the league. Those are all yeah. It's it's I love that you mentioned Skaronsky. Skaronsky is such like I don't know. He seems to get a lot of a lot of hate, and like it's so funny watching the Northwestern tape because he's the only one who looks like you know a, a player out there. And then every, yeah. the rest of the offensive line is all clattering about the quarterbacks getting sacked. But he's he's old. He's looking great. You know his movement's so awesome. So yeah. he was he was here obviously with Northwestern in Dublin last August, and he looked the the real deal. As you said, Frank, he was the the one holding it together. Cameron, last question, I think, but something that has just popped up from uh, one of the viewers was in relation to uh, the rumors around kind of da- Dalvin Cook and, and Minnesota maybe moving on there. Is that something, I mean, you're, look, you could see last year the defense was the, the issue, but in terms of, you know, we, we were fortunate we had Kevin on and, and you, you can know the relationship he has with Kirk, but in terms of moving on from Dalvin, is that something that they, they might be more willing to, to do? More willing as I don't know about the I hadn't seen that report prior to this, but it does kind of make a little bit of sense if you look at the kind of offense that they run. It's not very I mean, there's there's a lot there's a heavy play action and and Kirk does utilize that quite often, but at the same time it stresses they live in that eleven personnel set and doesn't really stress uh the backfield or running backs. And like I said before, they have four draft picks right now so they're going to have to make up for that in some way or another and that might be having to cut ties with someone as important now again i haven't fully processed 
if that's really realistic at this point for Dalvin Cook, but uh, I I need to refresh myself on his contract situation right now. Uh, but it definitely wouldn't be surprising just because I feel like they haven't, they've come out of so far the first day of free agency kind of unscathed. We knew Patrick Peterson wasn't going to be able to be retained at his salary. You knew Cam Dantzler was probably a, a likely bet to go as well. So that would be interesting. And I think it would show you, though, how much they understand that they need more resources. And perhaps that's somewhere where they could take a little bit of a hit. Carmen, I can tell you for sure you've just made every Lions fan in Ireland ridiculously happy this evening. You were going to pick up a lot more followers from Ireland today. Can you tell us how everyone can follow you apart from seeing you on the big screen on Fox? Uh, I Carmi V is my Twitter and Instagram handle. So I'm very active on Twitter and I crack jokes in addition to hopefully, hopefully uh, providing some information that you didn't know before. So check me out on there. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today, Carmen. We really appreciate you giving up time, especially during this mad frenzy few hours that we're experiencing on the NFL. Thank you. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So Thanks, Carmen. Awesome. So, wow, that was amazing. And Carmen is always great. We always love having her on the show. Um, a lot there to be followed. Actually, Dalvin Cook, though. That's something I'm going to keep an eye on over the next few days. But let's get back into brass tacks because we are running out of time. And we didn't give chance to Brian to talk about anything that's going on in his side of the world. Oh, we're, we're having a quiet day. Don't, don't worry about that. But things will come. Things will come to us. See, the difference with Giants fans now as opposed to last year, we have a confident GM. So we don't need to be rushing out to the shop. We'll, we'll make sure we bring in the right uh, the right signings at the right time. Um, I actually want to jump in on the the Bengals because they've lost their two safeties in free agency it seems so Vaughn Bell has gone to the Panthers and Jesse Bates has got an astronomical contract assigned to Falcons and I've seen a couple of <clears throat> me, social media tweets tonight to say it's okay sure look they've got Chase and they've got Burrow but as I joked to Colin earlier neither of those can play safety so to lose one but to lose both of them it's, it's, a, it's a big blow yeah, I'd be, be interested to see what Frankie thinks particularly on the Jesse Bates one because Last year, he wouldn't play on the tag. He did in the end, but he's got paid now and he's walked away from a team that looked like they're advancing. You know, we're talking about teams being competitive and, you know, looking to be in the mix to go to Super Bowl next year. You would have thought the Bengals on the back of the good season would be the case. I mean, I'm sure they will be, but it's a huge loss to lose one marquee safety, but to, to lose both of them you know, on Monday, it's, it's a big blow. Yeah, definitely. I, I wasn't expecting them to lose both of them like a hundred percent either i will say they did have they do have like a replacement in the wings i cannot think of his name off the top of my head but he's he was their backup last year they drafted him i want to say he was out in nebraska he's a solid player i Dak, it might be oh it might actually be daxton hill oh i'm not sure off the top of my head whatever uh the safety market this year i don't think will be too hard for them to replace i do think that there are actually some decent options for them in the draft they need to go get somebody I don't think it'll be the end of the world, and I do think when you look at the contract that at least Jesse Bates was given, I don't think they were going to hand out that money. So, I don't know. I don't hate it. I think it's kind of one of those moves where you want to prioritize kind of having flexibility for that team in the future when you do have big contracts coming up. Like, obviously, Burrow hasn't gotten his bag yet. You haven't seen Jamar Chase get a huge contract yet. Obviously, those were a couple of years ahead, but it's it's not the end of the world. So, you know, lose out on a little bit of top-end safety play if you can kind of ensure that you have the flexibility to keep around your superstar players. But it is kind of a question of how will they kind of supplement those guys? You know, who are they going to replace those guys with? Are they going to make a move in the draft? You know, will they be able to find someone in free agency for maybe not too much money? I mean, I will say what's probably kind of nice for them, they're a contending team, like a legitimate team that 
players view as, wow, this is a team that can get to the Super Bowl, it's probably not the hardest thing in the world for them to find a 30-year-old, 30-plus-year-old who might be willing to come in for a little bit of a deal and just be, you know, their stopgap for a year or two, you know. I don't think it's the end of the world for them, but not necessarily something you want to see. I think the one, one of the biggest issues is the fact that both of those guys were on the field so frequently. I, I think that I saw a stat uh, earlier that they played um, 90% of the snaps over the past two years. Like, that is phenomenal. When we talk about, you know, availability being um, the, the top ability, that that is something that, you know, it, we see injuries decimate teams. So those guys having them available. So whoever they bring in, they that was just a, a core component is having those guys to, together. And I think that was something maybe that... Um, impacted the the bills as well the bills that the year prior had had um that kind of secondary to together you when you the chemistry there is so important um and and the fact you know especially now that ability to to communicate so it will be something that will require a, a bit of work but you know they they have a, a seriously talented group there um so you know, you, you would trust them given what they have built to go out and be able to um, replace them. But it, it will take some maneuvering, I imagine. I think, uh, you know, Alicia is right there. She said, Big Lou will figure it out. And I think she is probably right. Let's talk about the fact that Eckler has actually requested a trade from the Chargers. And he actually has been one of the most productive offense players that they've had. So it's a very strange one. Um, that he is leaving. Obviously, he's coming towards the end of his contract. He's got a year left in his contract, if I'm not mistaken. And now he's looking to go. This is a bit of a a strange one around the business today. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I can't imagine it's really the, like, how much of it do you guys think is really, like, him playing, like, the leverage to try to maybe get a new contract, kind of get some more money, maybe get a little bit more guaranteed versus how much is him, like, actually demanding a trade? But also at the same time, if you're the Chargers, like, I don't know, it's kind of the same situation we were just talking about with the Bengals, where it's like, if you want to get cheaper at the running back position, so you have a little bit more flexibility, this is a team that's needed to add, like, I'd say, I don't know, I'd say more, a little bit more younger talent. I'd say some of their talent is a little bit aging, and they might need to look for some replacements. They were considering moving out from Keenan Allen this offseason, you know, Khalil Mack is someone that, you know, is just consistently getting older. Like, they aren't necessarily full of youthful talent to surround Justin Herbert with. So it isn't necessarily the worst decision for them in my mind to kind of open up a scenario where, like, you can find running backs, I think, to kind of fit into that offense. They might not be as effective as Austin Eckler, but I think what you're hoping for in today's modern NFL is to build around Justin Herbert, not Austin Eckler. I I don't think they would have seen this one coming, to be honest, but I think having had the trade request, they might consider it because this is probably the, the right time to... You know, in terms of the value, what would they get back? They probably get maybe a second. But, you know, realistically, probably more a third. They drafted a quarterback. Sorry, a running back. <clears throat> Excuse me, in the short round last year. I think Spiller was his name. And we had Tom Telesco on the show last summer. And he kind of raves about picking him up in the short round. And other people felt he would have went in the second. He didn't really have the most productive of years. Maybe they'll see a big step up in him. And maybe this is the time to take, take the trade. An interesting comment that came out today was, Eckler is looking, it is, it, as much as it's about the money, it's about giving himself the best opportunity to be about a team that could go to the Super Bowl. And 
like with all due respect to the difficulties the Chargers had, they're in a very competitive division and yet they made the playoffs and blew a 27-0 lead in the playoffs. So I don't think he's too far away from being on, on a team that can make a real push. So like, what's the upside? Where, where's he going to go? And maybe he's going to go to a team that are relying on an on a, on a experienced running back to come in. But we're seeing talk of Derrick Henry being up for, for the Veda Busy. You're talking about Dalvin Cook being traded. So I think teams are kind of realising there's so much value in, in the draft and you can recycle running backs very quickly in the league now as opposed to franchise tagging them at 10.9 million which is what Pollard and Jacobs and Barkley are going to get this year so interesting to see how this play is out but maybe the Chargers did, weren't looking to consider moving him on but maybe they will consider it now It'll be interesting to see in, in relation to the, the Chargers because the fact that the Herbert contract is coming and the the four kind of top earners I, I saw uh, mentioned on Twitter the other night that uh, Matt Bosa uh, Keenan Allen and uh, who's their other um, big, big earner I don't I don't believe it was Hector um, but essentially there was four guys that were going to account for more than 50% or 55% of the cap if they were on the, the field in 2024 might be uh, JC Jackson, sorry. Uh, it might it might be. Um, I, I need to pull that out. But it is a piece where the you know everyone is trying to maximize. I mean that that's essentially um, what you know the the Dolphins are doing in relation to um, the the Ramsey contract. You're you're looking to make the most of your rookie being on uh, that rookie deal. But eventually, uh, you know the, the time comes when you have to to pay it. Um, it was Mike Williams uh, was the other. So between Matt Bosa, Williams and Allen, those four players alone would make up 55.6% of the projected 2024 gap, which is quite staggering. So it is a big year for the Chargers. It's going to be a very interesting year. And let's look at the Falcons as well, because we are running out of time tonight. We've done so much talking already. We've already touched on the fact that Bates is going to the Falcons on a four-year deal. Um, but let's also look at the fact that they've actually re- been really busy today and they've also picked up Dave- David Onyemata and he's signing from the Saints. And he is really, really good. I actually quite like this guy. Um, and he's been one of the most sought-after defensive tackles as well this year. What is your guys' thoughts on this? Colin, I'm going to go back to you. Um. I, I mean, for for me, I think it was was it um, Adam Rank was um, tweeting earlier about um, free uh, free Kyle Pitts. Uh, I, I think this is in terms of again, where it kind of goes back just I suppose to the point um, that I, I was I was making earlier around the teams loading up on the the rugby deal. Is is that what the the Falcons are looking to to do? Uh, around um, Desmond Ritter. One thing that's going to, I suppose, factor in, and no one is going to tank tank, but it can't, there are going to be some front offices that are going to say, look, we'll, we'll run it with what it is this year because there's going to be a Caleb Williams sweepstakes. And this is the one that everyone is going to have. That's going to be in the back of people's mind. And you know, um, for front offices, they're always trying to plan a year in advance, two years in in advance. So you can't tell me that there aren't people thinking, 
what if what if we that wa- was to to happen we don't want to get locked into uh, a qb contract but you might want to have nice pieces around for a uh, kind of a generational talent uh, to to come in uh, to supplement them on both sides of the football uh, Christina, I, I did a podcast last week with D. Orlando Nedbetter from the Atlantic Constitution and he said to me, we're talking earlier on about 49ers taking players off Eagles who are their rivals essentially for potentially go to Super Bowl but the Saints are, and the Falcons are rivals within the division and he said to me last week, don't be surprised if the Falcons try go and pick up one of the Saints marquee players that are available in this offseason. He actually thought it would have been Marcus Davenport as opposed to this one. So when I saw it today, and it's a three-year contract, and he has been reproductive, he's probably one of the three defensive tackles that the Saints are due to lose. He doesn't get the kind of kudos or his play on the field because there's bigger names there. But so Diorlander was was right. He you know he said that they would go after players in the Saints. He he felt that they'd will will make ourselves stronger by making other teams in another division weaker. So it didn't come as a surprise, and it's a, it's a nice deal for three years. And and the fact that they've done some nice business on defense today, so they are rebuilding. But obviously. It's the quarterback is the conundrum is really the biggest question for them and will they consider a quarterback in the draft come come the end of April? Yeah, the Anumata deal is awesome. Uh the new new Falcons defensive coordinator is the old Saints defensive line coach, very very famous defensive line coach. I believe it's Ryan Nielsen. Don't know that off the top of my head, don't quote me. But uh he's a really good player. Him joining up with Grady Jarrett is absolutely incredible. That's a defensive line that's gonna create a lot of destruction. Uh Arthur Smith is just doing madman mad things on offense, which is great to see. I like him reuniting with Johnny Smith. It does a little bit suck for Kyle Pitts, but if there's any coach in the league that will be able to utilize two players of their skill set, it is Arthur Smith. Uh, I'm a pretty big Desmond Ritter believer. I liked him kind of coming out of the draft. I don't, I don't think he's going to be, you know, incredible, but he did kind of, like, he gave me Dak-esque vibes where it's like, I, I really do think that this can be a guy that will be successful in the league and I think was kind of underrated coming out. Um... Yeah, and they also got to keep Chris Lindstrom, one of the best guards in the league, even though they gave him an absolutely massive deal. Complete, complete, you know, tone setter for the day was was seeing that big old boy contract come right through. But uh, it's 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 cool to see, man. It's nice to see that the Falcons, like like you said, it really doesn't seem like they're they're tanking per se. Like you know, it it doesn't really seem like there's that many teams that are right now. Yeah, they also took John Smith from the Patriots, who's had a kind of very consistent time there. As tied him with the Patriots, I just don't think the, what they've tried to do on that, on that offense has ever worked for him. And they've given away a seventh round pick, which essentially is, let's be honest, it's bottom of the barrel type stuff. It's a picking and player that has a huge upside if he if he gets if he gets his head together and he he fits into that offense. Yeah, that 2021 offseason for the Patriots looks terrible. They run in two tight ends that didn't work out. They run in receivers that didn't work out. Bill Belichick is kind of tanking it a little bit. So, uh. But yeah, Johnny Smith, going back to Arthur Smith where he had his best years is going to be great. I'm not getting into this conversation right now because I'm still not emotionally ready to have this conversation about Smith leaving the Patriots because, yeah, we just have a gap. We're not going anywhere. But in saying that, I'm still happy that you guys touched on this because now we're able to finish the show, which is absolutely amazing. Don't forget, we are giving away free merchandise this week with our amazing sponsors, USA Sports, who are based in the ILAC Center and also online. You can follow them on USA Sports Merch, which is just polishing around the bottom of the screen. To be able to win this, you need to follow our new uh, YouTube channel. I almost forgot the word for it. And it's at IRE NFL. You can get us there. And we will be back later on this week, no doubt, with a lot more free agency news. Thank you so much for joining us today, Frankie. It's been really cool having you on the show.
You're very welcome to the show, for sure. Of course, and, thank you guys for having me. Until next time, let's keep an eye on Twitter overnight. Let's see people be happy, people cry, the Broncos celebrate, and the Lions fans across Ireland because of Carmen V think they've got a chance at the Super Bowl this year. Thanks, everyone. Bye.